The History of College Football is a podcast dedicated to preserving the college football gridiron memories from years gone by. Please feel free to visit our website at historyofcollegefootball.com. Thank you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson, and I will take you down a gridiron memory lane. The national champions, the teams, the rivalries, the conferences, the Heisman winners, the rankings. Today, we discuss... 35 moments of college football history that no one ever wants to see repeated. Now, today, we will cover the years from 1869 to 1939. This is numbers 1 to 17. There were moments in college football that were difficult to watch, hard to comprehend, and we knew we never wanted to see them again. We will cover some of these moments, and please understand, they cover a broad range in the long history of college football from the desolate to the tragic, from the lighthearted to the serious, and then from the ugly on the field performances to the heartbreaking deaths, both on and off the field. We cover moments in and around the gridiron in the history of college football that are difficult to discuss, never to be forgotten, and hopefully never to be repeated. Now, three points before we begin. First, this is in no way a complete list. Second, We'll cover these events in chronological order, numbering them 1 to 35. And as I mentioned, today we'll cover number 1 to 17, which takes us from 1869 to 1939, which brings us to point number three. We are not giving credence to order. In other words, understand we are not in any way comparing these events to one another. So let us begin. Number one. Syracuse 60 years of being shut out at least once every season. The first season the Syracuse program played football was 1889, starting in 1889 when Rutherford B. Hayes was president. Until 1948, the year Harry S. Truman defeated Dewey in the presidential election, the Orange was shut out at least once every season for 60 consecutive seasons. The low point actually occurred in 1892 when Syracuse was shut out in all but one game. That means eight shutouts in nine games. Number two, Tulane's coach played for the other opponent. In 1893, Tulane played its first game, and they lost to the Southern Athletic Club 12-0 in a game where their coach was T.L. Bain. T.L. Bain actually played for the other team in that game, the Southern Athletic Club. Number three, the sad story of the heroic Louisiana Tech Bulldog. The story of how the Louisiana Tech Bulldog was chosen as the nickname dates back to the fall of 1899 and may well be the most compelling mascot story in the history of college football. On the way back to class, five students saw a bulldog sitting under a tree. They fed him, and the bulldog followed them to the boarding house. They were given permission to keep the bulldog overnight 
just overnight. So the students brought the dog into their room. In the middle of the night, a fire breaks out. The bulldog awakes the other students, tugging at their sheets to alarm them, to wake them. The students and the bulldog race outside the house, only to find that one student still remained in that burning house. Before anyone could react, the bulldog just raced back into the burning building. Soon, the last student came out, but there was no sight of the bulldog. By dawn, once the fire was out, the students ran back into the building and found the dog. The bulldog was lying in a room untouched by the fire. It had died of smoke inhalation. The students, without saying a word, returned the bulldog to the tree where they found him, buried him in two of the students' jackets, one red, one blue. One year later, the student body voted unanimously that the school mascot would be a bulldog, the school colors would be red and blue. The exact location of where the dog is buried is not known, but the bulldog's love and spirit and loyalty persevere to this day. Number five, an Oklahoma State player dies in a pickup game during the season. In 1901, during a weekend pickup game, Oklahoma State's Joe Huska led a flying wedge into tacklers. A pile-up followed, and his chest was crushed. The next day, he passed away. The faculty canceled the 1902 season. Number five, the punch that formed the NCAA. On November 25, 1905, in the Yale-Harvard game, a player from Yale, his name was J.J. Quayle, punched a player from Harvard. His name was Hooks Burr during the play. It was an open-fisted punch, and it occurred without provocation. Now, because it was an open-fisted punch, blood was strewn absolutely everywhere. It was particularly gruesome, even for back then, a time where violence in the field was far worse than it was today. The historical context, well, as a result, President Theodore Roosevelt, a Harvard alumni, began the process that led to the formation of the NCAA. Number six, a late safety is the only points in the highly anticipated game of the century. It was the game of the century, and it was played out in a bizarre fashion when a Michigan legend made a gaffe in the most highly contested and highly anticipated game of the year. The game matched legendary coaches Amos Alonjo Stagg and Fielding Yost. Again, this was the original game of the century, and it occurred in 1905 on November 30th. Chicago was 9-0, and they were coached by Amos Alonjo Stagg and led by fullback Hugo Bezdek. They faced the 12-0 Michigan team, who was riding a 56-game unbeaten streak, had not lost since 1900, and was coached by the legend Fielding Yost who in his last game of the fifth season at Michigan had yet to lose a game. They had outscored opponents 2,821 to 40. Like I said, this was the game of the century. What would played out was a scoreless tie until the fourth quarter, where with 10 minutes remaining in the game, Chicago punted and Michigan's legend, Denny Clark, decided to field the punt in his own end zone. Well, he was tackled for a safety, and that safety was the only points in the game. Chicago 2, Michigan 0. Number 7. A team walks off the field and forfeits the game. On November 16, 1912, when Penn State defeated Ohio State 37 to nothing in the very first meeting between the two schools, Ohio State just stopped 
playing, simply stopped playing in the fourth quarter. What I mean by this is they just kind of walked off the field during the game and never returned. What happened was this. Penn State was up 37 to nothing on the Buckeyes in the fourth quarter. And after Penn State scored, it was on suing kickoff. Nittany Lyon blocked the Buckeye with a really vicious hit. The Ohio State coach, John R. Richards, said, tantamount, it came to this. That was an illegal hit, and we're out of here. And the Buckeyes simply walked off the field during the game. The Nittany Lions watched as the Buckeyes suddenly forfeited the game, and that was that. Number eight, the tower pass. It was a play that never should have been allowed to happen. It occurred on November 6, 1915. West Virginia defeated Marshall that day, 92-6. to And a play occurred that, well, let me put it this way. It's just one you hear almost never. Down 92 to nothing late in the game, Marshall wanted to avoid a shutout. Runt Carter and tackle Oki Taylor ran into the end zone. The quarterback, Brad Workman, threw into the end zone where Runt Carter had jumped on Oki Taylor's shoulders where he caught the pass on his shoulders. Before the next season, the play was banned. Number nine, 222 to nothing. It occurred on October 7th, 1916. Georgia Tech defeated Cumberland 222 to nothing. I've done two podcasts on this game. One, the events that led up to it. One, a play-by-play of the game. But this game, Georgia Tech's victory, was the largest margin of victory in the history of college football. Cumberland had beat Georgia Tech 22 to nothing in baseball, and Georgia Tech wanted to exact revenge. Well, they, they attained it. The game was played in Grandfield in Atlanta, and by the end of the first quarter, Georgia Tech scored nine touchdowns. By halftime, they led 126 to nothing. The score would have been even more lopsided had the Georgia Tech coach, John Heisman, not agreed to shorten the quarters to 12 and a half minutes. That day, Georgia Tech scored 32 touchdowns, rushed for 978 yards, had zero passing yards, zero first downs, forced 15 turnovers, and 97% of their plays occurred in Cumberland's territory. Number 10, a lopsided rivalry to top all rivalries. It was Oklahoma versus Kingfisher College, and it was short-lived, hugely lopsided, and it occurred between the years of 1917 to 1919. In 1917, the Sooners defeated Kingfisher College 179 to nothing. In 1918, they didn't play, but in 1919, the rivalry was resumed and the Sooners won 157 to nothing over Kingfisher College. The teams did not meet after that. Number 11, Toledo's first game ever was a blowout loss of stunning proportion. Toledo's first game ever as a football program was in 1917. Their debut was against Detroit, and they had quite an inauspicious debut. They lost that game 145 to nothing in the program's first game ever. Number 12, a player tragically dies on the field. On September 27th, on opening day of the 1919 season, Connecticut played at New Hampshire State. Connecticut Husky, his name was Gardner Dow, delivered a flying tackle, and his head hit an opponent's knee. Dow was taken off the field and was looked after at a nearby fraternity house, but his condition rapidly deteriorated, and tragically, he passed away at 7 p.m., just hours after the injury, from a traumatic brain injury. The school named the athletic field after him, the Gardner Dow Field. Number 13, the legend of George Gipp. George Gipp played for Notre Dame from 1916 to 1920. 
Coach Rockney first saw George Gipp on the football field practicing drop kicks. The kicks were incredibly accurate, incredibly long. So Coach Rockney approached Gipp and asked Gipp to join the freshman football team. The Gipper accepted and proved to be the most versatile player Newt Rockney ever saw. These stats, college football player of the year, 2,341 career rushing yards. He played several positions, halfback, quarterback, punter. He led the Irish in rushing and passing, both for three seasons. Tragically against Northwestern, he contracted a strep throat virus, and he died at the age of 25 of streptococcal throat infection, combined with pneumonia three weeks after that win. He was the person Coach Newt Rockney referenced in his win one for the Gippers speech. It was a motivational speech to end all motivational speeches. Number 14, the wrong way Regals game. Roy Longway Regals' run in the 1929 Rose Bowl is often cited as the worst blunder in the history of college football. And here is why. It was January 1st, 1929, the Rose Bowl. Georgia Tech defeated California 8-7. to Now keep this in mind, by one point. Midway through his scholar's second quarter, Cal lineman Roy Weagles picks up a Georgia Tech fumble at the 30-yard line. He was shoved and got turned around and raced 69 yards the wrong way. His teammate, Benny Lom, chased him down at the three and actually attempted to spin him around back in the right direction. But he was tackled by a Georgia Tech player at the one-yard line. Well, as a result, Cal was opting to punt. The punt was blocked. Georgia Tech's safety resulted, and they went up two to nothing. Regals was so upset that he had to be talked into returning to the game for the second half. He did return. But the blunder cost the team two points. Remember, the final score was 8-7 to seven in a game that will forever be remembered as the wrong way Regals game. Number 15, a fan jumps out of the stands to make a tackle. It occurred on November 23rd, 1935, and I did a podcast on this one as well. Undefeated Princeton met undefeated Yale in front of over 56,000 fans at Princeton in a game that was played in a near blizzard condition. It was cold. Snowy. It was mud mixed with snow. It was in this game that one of the weirdest moments in college football history occurred. Princeton was at Dartmouth's two-yard line, and a fan actually jumped out of the stands and lined up on the Dartmouth defense. The big green Dartmouth stuffed Princeton's run short of the goal line. Now, that play was immediately taken from the field by the police who rushed him off the field. The player left through a mayhem and skirted out unnoticed, and it was never known who the mysterious 12th man was. Princeton defeated Hartman 26-6 to in a game that featured a once-in-a-lifetime play that should never have happened as a fan came out of the stands to line up and actually play a down. Number 16, Kansas State's 54 years of near futility. From 1937 to 1990, for 54 consecutive years, Kansas State posted a total of four winning records. They had losing streaks in that span of 28, 18, 17, and 16 games. They had back-to-back winless seasons in 1946 and 47, 1965 and 66, and 1987 to 1988. Number 17, and the last one we will do because now we're up to 1939. One bizarre game. It occurred on November 11th, 1939, and the final score 
was Texas Tech zero, Centenary zero. It was one of the most bizarre games ever played, where due to a heavy downpour that absolutely flooded the field in Shreveport, Louisiana, conditions that made it absolutely impossible to advance the ball by either running or passing, the two teams combined for an NCAA record 77 punts. I'll say that again, 77 punts that day. 39 by Texas Tech, 38 by Centenary. An astounding 67 punts occurred on first down, including 22 consecutive punts on first down in the third and fourth quarters. With puddles that rose above the ankle, both coaches just waited for the other team to make a mistake. Next episode, we will cover the years from 1940 to present day, 2023. Numbers 18 to 35 of the moments in college football history that no one ever wants to see repeated. Thank you for listening to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson. Join us every Tuesday and Saturday for a new episode.